Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. So great to have you here this morning. Don't look now, but today is Sunday, December the 8th. And that means after today, we only have 16 more days until the biggest event of the year. That's right. Christmas 2019. And for many people like myself, those of you who applauded or responded with glee, that one statement I made generated a whole lot of excitement and anticipation. Because for you, Christmas is your favorite time of year. And even though it includes a tremendous amount of work, expense, and even some stress, over the years you've been able to navigate all that and truly enjoy and cherish the season. But then for others, this time of year is no fun at all. For some, even the thought of Christmas or the mention of Christmas triggers negative emotions and heartache. And for this group of people, the month of December means another stretch of sadness and loneliness. And no doubt the pain is real, at times unbearable. And please believe me when I say to you that I understand that. And I sincerely want to be sensitive to you. However, in a way, the holiday blues is what drives my Christmas passion. It's precisely the thing that drives my enthusiasm. It fuels me to a higher level each and every year. Because on Christmas, God came to earth as a man. And the whole reason he did that was to reconcile our pain and to give us hope. Did you hear me? On Christmas, God came to save us. That's the message of Christmas. And on the very night that happened, recorded in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, here's what the angel of the Lord said. The angel said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior has been born to you. To who? Not just the shepherds. Not just everyone else, the people who love Christmas and make a big deal about it. The heavenly message was, a Savior has been born to you. And tell me again, what does a Savior do? He saves. And Jesus came to save us. That's Christmas. And that's what's in my heart every December 25th. The holiday lights, the music and the magic... The giving of gifts and the, and the shopping and the wrapping and uh, the holiday feasting and fine dining, that's all a bonus. Icing on the cake or the cannoli. <laughs> but the reason for the season is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And Isaiah said it best when he prophesied and said, unto us, A child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called, check it out, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, 
the Prince of Peace. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, it was the angel of the Lord who said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Please see with me, this is good news. It's news you can use. And with all of the bad news that we hear about, especially these days, it's good to get a little good news. And the angel of the Lord says, not only is it good news, it's good news of great joy. And the news is for all people. Every single person on the face of the whole earth. We all need to hear this news. We all need to be reminded of it. Because life happens. And the circumstances of our lives can rob us of our joy. They can strip us of our faith. And they can cause us to lose sight of this wonderful news that was given to us such a long time ago. Now, a few weeks back, I had a conversation with a precious sister who's been attending Community Christian Church for years and years. And she told me she was just recently diagnosed with AFib, or an irregular heart rate. And she told me about all of her complications associated with her AFib, and we talked for quite some time. And following that conversation, I was flooded with a whole bunch of emotion that took me back nine years ago to December 2019. Because that's when I was uh, diagnosed with AFib myself and had my first bout with the disease. And on that occasion, uh, because the doctors and cardiologists couldn't get my heart rate under control, I became a guest at Beaumont Hospital for five days. I was in a hospital for five days, including the weekend of our 2010 Christmas service. When we celebrated Christmas here at Community Christian in 2010, I couldn't be here. I was in the hospital. And that was devastating for me. Because not only was I a heart patient and had to deal with all of what that meant, but for the very first time, I missed a Christmas preaching assignment. First time in 28 years. It was very disappointing to me. And if I would have allowed it, that situation could have easily robbed me of my Christmas spirit. In fact, what happened two days after I was discharged from the hospital is I went back into AFib after spending five days in the hospital, depending on the, the, the doctors to get me back in shape, two days on Christmas Eve, no less, went back into AFib, had to go back to the hospital, get cardioverted or shocked electrically back into sinus rhythm. But here's the truth. I left the hospital that morning on Christmas Eve and I went shopping. And I bought something. I refused to allow the Grinch to steal my Christmas. We all experience disappointments. No exceptions. We all go through rough times in our lives. In fact, a couple of months ago in October, we spent the entire month getting real about our pain 
and talking about the things that we go through. We all have problems. And in case you haven't noticed, there is a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain in our world today. And when other people hurt, so do we hurt. But that's the beauty of Christmas. And that's what makes Christmas so special and so important in response to our pain. And because he loves us so much, God sent his son to redeem us and to reconcile us and to save us. And we celebrate that wonderful act of love and kindness on the day we call Christmas. And so for the next three weeks, what we're going to do, you heard this announced a couple of times, is we're going to engage in a three-part Christmas series called Carols. Say that. Carols. One more time. Carols. And the goal of this series is to use popular Christmas carols to tell the Christmas story, same Christmas story that we all know, in a new and creative way, and maybe even dig a little deeper into the story, hoping to bring some encouragement and some inspiration. And again, Christmas is not about us getting everything we think we need. It's about getting the one thing we absolutely need, which is a Savior. And that's what God did for us on that day. He gave us a Savior. And so today, first up on the list, list of three, is joy to the world. And for those of you who absolutely have to know this, I mean, it will mess you up if you don't have this information. The other two Christmas carols that we're going to cover in this series, next week is O Come All Ye Faithful, and then on the 22nd, O Holy Night. And I appreciate what Dave said about December 22nd. That's the day that we're going to celebrate Christmas here. It is our hope and our desire that you would make a special effort to be in church, to honor God, to give thanks to God for what he's done. I mean, I know as Christians we celebrate the holidays all during the year, but a special time to honor what God did. And so we want to fill the entire house. We want there to be standing room only. Not just to say we, we have all the seats filled, but so that people can experience the wonder and the power of the Christmas message. And so let me encourage you, as Dave and Sean already did, to take a little time, think about that one name, that person you really like to see get saved. Write that name down on that little uh, cutout tab, post it to the board, pray for that person, and do your very best to invite them here on the 22nd. All right, joy to the world. Uh, let me give you some of the lyrics, uh, not all of them. You probably know them by heart anyway. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart, how many? Prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. He, Jesus, rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Okay, the song Joy to the World was written by Isaac Watts in the early 1700s, so like 300 years ago. 
And here's what happened. Young Isaac was accustomed to attending church with his dad every Sunday. And one Sunday, he told his dad he didn't want to go back to church. He wanted to stay home. And the reason he didn't want to go back to church is because he wasn't real happy with the music. Now, there's something original. He told his dad the songs that they sang in church, the hymns that they did on on a regular basis were boring and they lacked inspiration. So he just wanted to stay home. And instead of yelling at his kid or lecturing him, the dad set out a challenge. And he said to Isaac, if the songs don't really minister to you, if you can't get anything out of them, then why don't you write some better songs? And his son took that challenge to heart. And using the book of Psalms in the Bible, he began to write one song a week until he had compiled hundreds of songs, including this song, Joy to the World. Now, Joy to the World was not originally intended to be a Christmas hymn or a Christmas carol. It didn't become a Christmas carol until about 100 years later in 1830. And Joy to the World was written as a song of praise, That's what was coming out of young Isaac's heart. And it came right from Psalm 98 and verse 4. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. See, the goal of joy to the world, when it was first written, was to lead the church to a place of joy. And to find that joy acknowledging that Jesus is Lord and Savior that he rules the world, that he's on the throne, that Jesus is calling the shots, that he's the one in control. And Isaac was attempting to communicate to the church, that's where our joy comes from. In fact, in Revelation eleven fifteen, the scripture says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. When you see Jesus on the throne... When you acknowledge him on the throne and then you willingly choose to put him on the throne of your life, that changes everything. It's the lordship of Jesus Christ that puts a jump in your step and a smile on your face and joy in your heart. It's not necessarily all the good things that happen to you from day to day. It's not the happiness that you sense and feel or the warm and fuzzy feelings that we're after. Your joy's not based on that. Joy is based on the fact that 2,000 years ago, a Savior was born. He's Christ the Lord. And so uh, this song was originally intended for us to worship God, to praise Him, and to pump ourselves up and fill ourselves up with joy over the fact that He is Lord. He is on the throne. He rules and he reigns. Now, there's a familiar portion of scripture found in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You know this passage well. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, 
and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. All right, according to this passage that we just read, Hebrews 1 and 2, why was Jesus able to endure the agony and the shame of the cross? How was he able to negotiate and deal all of the pain and all of the negative elements surrounding his death? How could he do that? For the joy. That's what it says. For the joy that was set before him. But not just any ordinary, everyday joy. No, the same joy that the angel of the Lord referred to in Luke chapter 2. Good news of great joy. And as a part of that good news, good news for us, but not so good for Jesus, Jesus conquered the grave. He suffered the wrath that we deserved. And he died a miserable death on the cross. And even though the price tag for that kind of redemption was huge, Jesus was filled with joy over the fact that our sins were forgiven and we would finally be in right standing with God. So he endured the cross, he scorned its shame, he was able to negotiate everything that he knew was coming, and he did it with joy, knowing that we would benefit from it. You see, joy can be a lasting experience, because joy is an attribute of the Holy Spirit. Having joy doesn't necessarily mean you always go to a happy place. You're not always going to have a smile on your face. That's not joy. In fact, Jesus said quite the opposite. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But during the trouble, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Sometimes in our lives, sadness will prevail for a while. We're not always going to wake up every morning feeling like we are ready to face the day. But that doesn't mean the enemy can rob us of our joy. Authentic joy, real joy, Holy Spirit joy, it remains even in the midst of suffering. Jesus taught us that. He suffered miserably on the cross, and yet he could still have this joy. All right, joy to the world uh, also contains a couple of other lyrics here. It says, he rules the world with truth and grace. Who's he? Who? Jesus. Jesus rules the world with truth and grace. And again, those words come right from the scripture. John chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. In other words, blessing upon blessing. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know, we associate the grace of God with Jesus and how we love God's grace. And the scripture says that Jesus did give us grace. He's the one who brought it to us. But this passage of scripture in John chapter 1 also tells us that Jesus gave us truth 
So not just grace, but truth and grace. And here's the truth. Here's the very truth that Jesus communicates to us. We have all sinned. We've all made mistakes. We've all missed the mark. The scripture says there is none righteous, no, not one. And because none of us could make our way to heaven on our own, because none of us could ever please the Father and obey all of the instructions that he gave to us, God did it for us. He sent his son, Jesus, into the world to be born on Christmas Day and then to ultimately go to the cross and die there for the sins of the world. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price for our sins. And when he rose from the dead, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. And the scripture says when we believe that, when we accept that gospel message and take it to heart, you know, confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So the Bible says we shall be saved. And after you establish that truth in your own life, all that remains is grace. First the truth, then the grace. People want to have all the grace, but they don't want to deal with the truth. The truth is we need Jesus. We need the Savior. It's the reason he came. We all need a Savior. If there was one of us on the face of the whole earth, that didn't need a savior, Jesus wouldn't have had to come for us. But we all need a savior. And Jesus gave us that truth, and then he added some grace. And so just before we gather around the communion table and receive the bread and the cup, let me once again highlight an aspect of God's grace. And to do this, I want to use a prophecy that Isaiah gave to us, another messianic or prophecy about Jesus uh, found in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. You'll remember this verse. You'll recognize it right away. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them or to give them, check it out, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. One more time. To comfort all who mourn, and to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. I'm going to call this the great gift exchange. And how fitting is it for us to review these verses here at Christmas time? In Isaiah chapter 61, prophetically, looking to the time that Jesus would be born and the time that Jesus would minister, God basically said, let's do a gift exchange. You give me something, and I'm going to give you a little something in return. So God says, you give me your pain, and I'm going to give you my healing. 
You give me your fear, and I'll give you peace. You give me your grief, and I'll give you my joy. I mean, you talk about a miracle makeover. God wants to design a brand new you. That's what grace is all about. That's what change and transformation is all about. And in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it was Paul who said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God says, let's get involved in this gift exchange. And you can be changed. You can be transformed. You can know a different day if you're willing to embrace what I have to offer you. And how many of you know, transformation never comes easy. Not physically in the gym, not emotionally, not spiritually. Transformation of any kind will always require a tremendous amount of determination and sacrifice, commitment and hard work. And spiritually speaking, God's great gift exchange will cost you something. For the joy that is set before you, just like the joy that was set before Jesus, you have to be willing to lay some things down. You have to let go of something. If you're going to receive all that God has for you, God says, you've got to be ready to give me something back. Like your pain and your anger or your hurts, your bitterness, your doubts, your unforgiveness. In Isaiah chapter 61, God basically says, beauty or ashes? You choose. But you can't have both. Grief or joy? You choose. You can't have both. He said, I am willing to bestow upon you, I am willing to give you the things that you need to be filled with joy, but you have to be willing to let go of a few things. I don't know if you were here last Sunday, if you had a chance to listen to the podcast, if you weren't. Hannah Blakely gave her testimony. I couldn't get 15 minutes through that testimony without crying like a baby. Because it's a story of transformation and change. Hannah was willing to give up a few things in order to receive the beauty that God wanted to give to her. He rules the world. We would all say amen. We would all say, yeah, he does. We know he does. But he rules the world with truth and grace. And once we respond to his truth, once we respond to the gospel message and we embrace it, there's still another step. There's still some more activity, more business for us to take care of. We have to surrender to the grace that he gives to us. We have to be willing to say, you know, I've got some pain. And that pain puts me in a lousy mood every Christmas season. I've got some hurts and some bad memories. And there's some things I don't understand and I've been offended and God, why didn't you do this for me? And I, I just suffered loss and a loved one of mine just died. This would be the first Christmas without him or her. God says, I know. 
I understand. But if you want my beauty, if you want my joy, if you want my peace, then you have to be willing to let go of some of that stuff. It's an exchange. It's a pretty good one. So at this time, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and we'll prepare for communion. Father, we're going to take just a couple of moments here before we make our way to the communion service just to meditate and think a little bit about what was just said. This wonderful gift of joy is something that you want us to have each and every day of our lives. The angel of the Lord called it good news of great joy for all people. It's not always represented with a smile or us jumping up and down or feeling like a million dollars. But yet it's in there, Lord. Even in our pain, even during the suffering, even when we're going through difficult times, when life is throwing us curveballs and we're in despair, we can still possess joy because it's a part of your gift exchange. But we have to choose it. We have to embrace it. At times, we have to be willing to let go of some other things that could take its place. I pray, Lord, during this communion time that you would minister under a powerful anointing of your spirit, powerful enough to break a yoke of anger and disbelief and fear and doubt and pain. Lord, I pray that as we approach the holiday season, because of this one service today, because of this one communion experience, we would be different. That you would do a miracle makeover in each of our hearts. And these next 16 days or so, would prove, Lord God, that when you came, you came to reconcile our pain. Holy Spirit, move among us as only you can. Scripture says it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread And after giving thanks, he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper was ended, Jesus took the cup and again he passed it to his disciples. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death till he comes. Just a few moments ago, I quoted a passage of scripture from Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah spoke that word over the nation of Israel 
some 700 years before the birth of Christ, before Jesus was even born, 700 years before Christmas. And shortly after Jesus went into his earthly ministry, the scripture tells us in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus went back to his hometown, his town of Nazareth. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and it was his turn to read the scripture. He was a young rabbi, and he was up to plate, up to the plate. And so he grabbed the scroll from the attendant. He turned to the passage that I just read in Isaiah 61, and he began to read it in front of the congregation. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And after he'd finished that passage, he rolled the scroll up, gave it back to the attendant, he sat down, and the scripture tells us all eyes were fastened on him. They were all waiting intently for what he was going to say about that passage, about that prophetic word. And the next words out of his mouth were, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I'm the guy Isaiah was talking about. And my whole ministry, Jesus said, is to reach out to you, to heal your broken hearts, to set you free from your pain, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what I'm about. Jesus said, I'm about this huge gift exchange that if you'll give me your pain, I'll give you my peace. And if you give me your grief, I'll give you my joy. That is the whole reason of my ministry. That's why God has placed his anointing upon me. And friends, if there was a dark place in Israel at that time, it was Nazareth. Because Nazareth, the people there, they were just in a lot of pain. In fact, you remember that shortly after Jesus started his ministry, a, a, a man of God by the name of Philip heard him preach for the very first time, and immediately he knew Jesus was the Messiah. He just had that anointing and that power in his voice. He ran and found his brother Nathaniel. He said, Nathaniel, I, I, I've seen the, the Messiah. He's here. He's in town. Do you remember Nathaniel's re response? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? The people in Nazareth, they were suffering. They were living in poverty. There was a lot of hardship. They felt abandoned like God had turned his back on them. And if there's anyone who knew that, Jesus knew it because he was born there. He was raised there. He knew the trouble that was in that town. And he said, I'm here to help. I'm here to change your life. I'm here to transform you. If you listen to what I have to say and what I have to offer, your life can be different. It can be different starting right now. And do you remember how the people of Nazareth responded to Jesus? They rejected him. 
They totally disregarded what he had to say and they refused to let go of their pain. Jesus basically said to them, due to your ashes, you choose. They chose ashes. They chose the darkness. You know, an authority of God's word and not my own opinion or because it fits in nicely right now. But according to the word of the Lord, right now, this very day, right here, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart, knocking. And he's saying to you and he's saying to me the exact same thing that Isaiah said 700 years before the first Christmas. And the exact same thing that Jesus said to the people in Nazareth on that day. I'm here to help. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to change your life. To take your ashes and give you beauty. To take your pain and give you peace. To take your mourning and give you joy. How are you going to respond to his calling today? Are you going to be like the people of Nazareth and reject it? Or are you going to reach out to the ministry that only Jesus can provide? Can I get you to just bow your heads for a moment? We're just a few weeks from Christmas. And if you're finding it hard to get into the Christmas spirit for whatever reason, there's pain in your life, brokenness of some kind, loss. I understand that. But that's the purpose of Christmas, friend. And I want to pray for you today. Because even though we go through difficult things and even though we face hardships and our lives are associated with pain and disappointment, we can still have this joy. Christmas changes everything because Jesus can change everything in your life. And so, Father, I just take a moment here right now and pray for those who are struggling. Those, Lord, who have faced multiple Christmas seasons without any joy. Those, Lord, that I mentioned earlier whose disposition and response to the month of December is always one of sadness and loneliness and pain. For the joy set before us, Lord, help us to endure our suffering. Help us to walk through tough times, tough seasons, Lord, I pray that we would take hold of this gift exchange and we would willingly forfeit our ashes to receive your beauty. You died on the cross to give us that gift. I pray we would receive it. Let's take the bread and the cup together. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.